0: Hello and welcome to the One More Mile podcast. Today is July 19th, 2018, and I'm your host, Chris Harnish. And joining me on the podcast is my brand new Hot Off the Bike. Give him a round of applause, Hannock Gets. How you doing, Hannock?
1: Great, great. Glad to be on. Hello, everyone.
0: And also joining us on the podcast today is my inimitable, indefeatable, uh, long-time mentor, Tom Swenson. How you doing, Tom? Hey, how
2: are you guys doing? Sorry.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, before we get started, what I want to do is just go around and 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 kind of hear from each of the guests, and, and and they can tell a little bit about themselves uh, because I just brought on Hennock, new co-host. Uh, so, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Henan? All
1: right. Thanks for the intro, yeah. Um, so basically I've been involved in um, endurance sports for, uh, for quite a while. I, was, I started speed skating um, on actually wheels, like rollerblading, road racing back in the uh, early 90s and kind of transitioned into uh, bike racing and um, been bike racing uh, ever since. And then, uh, you know, got involved in coaching, uh, got USA Cycling Certification, was always interested in, um, you know, the science and the the methods for improving uh, performance and, you know, what makes a better rider and stuff like that. Um, And uh, been in a quest for that ever since.
0: It's really funny you mentioned speed skating because that's actually how I got started.
1: Oh, wow.
0: I (laughs) uh, I was a speed roller skater. So yeah, so even yeah. before inlines, uh, and I believe they still have have what they call quad racing. Oh, but, roller uh, sk-
1: Wow, okay.
0: Yeah, so so I started back in uh, eighty, I don't know 80, 84, 85, You know, it was like like ten. Um, oh wow, okay. Yeah, so so I skated for for a number of years. Uh, you know, you know, I, I went to one national championships. Got totally got my ass handed to me. Um, because we we really didn't understand training, for one, and we didn't understand uh, that the kids, because a lot of them were, were kids, the kids that were going to nationals were, 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 were just practicing a lot more. You know, we had two practices a week, and that's largely why I got out of the sport. It was just, uh, you know, not a lot of people were serious about it, and in order to do the training, you needed to skate more, and, you know, I got into yeah. bike racing, and... I you mean, know, once I got into bike racing, I kind of, kind of stuck with that for a while. Yeah,
1: yeah, same so. here. It's funny how little we knew about training back then. I mean, one, one, just one quick anecdote. <laughs> I remember I did when I first got into it. I did this long road race. It was like a hundred k road race, skate, skate road race. Oh. And God. um, and I had no idea. Like I didn't eat anything, and I was during the race. I think I had like one banana, <laughs> and I was wondering how come how, how I felt so awful the last 20 miles. And even after it, I didn't have any, I didn't really have a snack or a meal for like three or four hours. I was just hanging around and chatting with everybody. And looking back, I'm like, how retarded was that? Like, we had no idea what we were doing. It was a, it's a riot. <laughs> well,
0: well, well, yeah, it's funny, and I and I'll let uh, Tom kind of kind of kind of give his background in a second. But but I think Tom can can probably speak to this because he. Uh, Is a little bit older, but just kind of coming up through college and grad school. And, and, uh, you know, I think you what you got your Ph.D. late 80s, right? Uh, Ninety two. nine. So so ninety two. He can probably speak to some of that 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 particularly that sports nutrition, um, because if if we're bad science communicators now and I just say bad in general, just trying to get the information to the public. There was really—it seemed like no communication back then. It, it just seemed there was a complete disconnect between the the people working in the labs and, and doing good science, and then coaching. There was just a big, big divide. So, so I'm going to let Tom, uh, you know, kind of talk a little bit about his background. But I do want to say that that I, I think it's only fitting that Tom's uh, on the show today because Tom was actually my my very first guest on the ESP podcast some some ten years ago. Um and so uh it just by coincidence, I, I I didn't think of it until afterwards, but uh but yeah, just by coincidence, Tom is the uh, first guest on the kind of new branded show. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: <laughs> sure thing, Chris. Thanks for the uh, intro. Uh Tom Swenson, uh, uh exercise scientist at Ithaca College. Uh studied uh, my graduate work was at the University of Tennessee uh with Ed Halley. Um uh, been at Ithaca College since uh, 1995. So, uh, Chris was my uh, a, a TA, and I taught a course there physiology, uh, physiology one and two. Chris was my TA the first year there, and uh, we worked on a project that uh, first uh, first summer there, I believe it was the first summer, yeah, on a uh, maximum lactate steady state, and um. Chris went on to grad school I worked with him on his uh, master's thesis uh, I- indirectly I wasn't part of his uh, committee so we we've, we've been uh friends and working together for uh, uh quite a quite a long time um I raced bikes for a long time I started that in like 1982 and pretty much up through 2007 and I don't know I guess I'm I guess I'm retired now from <laughs> <I'm> racing <laughs> Uh, I, I still train, but you know we could talk about that later if it comes up in the course of the conversation. But I'm definitely like an H.I.T. disciple now, you know. So.
0: Yeah, I I would tend to agree, and and, and I think that uh, is, especially for the kind of the fitness end of things. I would I, I would say I'm pretty much there with you. Um, but uh, you, know, you know, before we kind of delve into the conversation, we got a lot to cover today. Uh, we we had the stage 12 of the tour de france which which just blew up the race a lot of stuff ha- happened there and and uh you know we're we're gonna pick up the show kind of with the action but I, I think a lot of people out there especially when i made the announcement that 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 we're making changes to the podcast i got some emails i got some 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 questions about it uh and, and so i want to touch on that before we kind of delve into the conversation and and really um the first major question is is kind of where's ESP and and why is this podcast, you know, one more mile? Uh, and in really short, uh, ESP is probably retired. Uh, it's not forgotten, um, but it was time for a change. And, and I had been mentioning over the last couple of years uh, that I wanted to change and, and really the, the, the genesis of the new name was and the show really cascaded from ideas and events since April and 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 that um it seems like a short period of time but 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 that's where things really started to coalesce and 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 I really had a desire to either pull the plug on the show or to kind of take it up a notch so I advertised for a co-host and and uh you know expanded on some earlier ideas and and you know, so Hanok is here and and uh you know as far as one more mile, that that really came up only in probably the last month. And 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 one more mile uh is really whatever you want to make of it. For me, it's it's about perseverance, it's about achieving, it's about overcoming. And it really took shape back in April after uh the Boston Marathon winter first winter. Uh, the women's road race since 1985. Desiree Linden uh, really shocked. The world, I think, and 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 if you read the interviews from her, what she said is that you know she kept telling herself to show up for one more mile. Even over the last few years, she's had a lot of down days, and and she kept telling herself to show up for one more mile. And and so me, uh, when, when I tell people go one more mile, it's about one more step, one more race, one more workout. It's not about going through the motions, though. Uh, you know, it's really about living and training and or racing with a purpose. And I. We really want every listener out there to kind of find their own meaning for it. And so, when when you know, Tom, you you were talking about really how how, how we came into uh, the field of uh, X Fiz and and you know getting into uh, just the science part of it. You, you know, that's that's really one of the things I think I lament the most about uh, about students nowadays i don 't see a lot of kids coming up who who really have an interest in training and and, and it might be different for you tom but but it seems like uh, you know most of the kids that I see now they're dead set on like some other career you know I s like i'm going to be a physical therapist or or something else and i don't see a lot of kids like like that i knew even in college they 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 were runners or cyclists uh you know i knew a bodybuilder in college that 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 you know was really interested in bodybuilding and the training science there and uh you know i think a lot of us the older guys even you know the really older guys all come from kind of this this athletic heritage, you know, and, and, and like some of the old ex-phys guys were like really great athletes. And, and I, I remember my mentor, um, and my advisor at, at, at uh, South Carolina, Russ Pate, I mean, he, he finished third in the Boston marathon and, and he ran with pre, uh, you know, and he, he always joked that, you know, it was a big picture of him, um, from, from, uh, you know, grad school. And he was like the worst guy on the team. You know, but 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 just just a lot of the 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 people in the field were really uh, into exercise and and endurance, particularly. So, I think there there definitely has been a shift. Man, you know, my opinion, not for the better, but unfortunately.
2: It's how we got into the field. Some of us, right? So, like, I was a history major, and then I thought after I graduated, I was like, oh, well, maybe, uh, maybe I'll think about med school. And that, at that time period, I really got into bike racing, and, and I was, I was in the library reading, you know, medicine, science, sports, and exercise. <laughs> I was not in the field just to try to be a better bike racer. And then the the biggest irony of it all is like, you know, so I was kept up with the literature and read a lot, and like I really didn't practice. Um, what I would preach to someone that I coached or what I read up until like the last like three or four years that I actually raced. And it was amazing, like how much better I did. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. I, you know what I, I tell people uh, now, I mean, I, I think I've learned more about training in the last probably five years than, than I probably learned in the previous 15 uh, and a lot of that is just actually starting to apply my own advice um, instead of ignoring yeah, it. Yeah. And, and you know, I wonder, like, God, you know, like, why, like, like, why do we ignore our 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 good advice, or why, you know, because I would just pull all this information in. I was I was the same way, sitting in the library, uh, you know, reading my 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 microfiche. Uh, yeah I tell students how good they have it you know they got the internet and they and they don't know how to use it and it was like man i would have loved to like you know you know scholar on on google because we just sit there and flip through the books and 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 try to find the article we wanted to look at so science
2: citation index man yeah yeah
0: man. <laughs> ah, it's so much better now um but uh but yeah so so, so kind of you know, getting back to the show, you know, you know, one of the things that that I liked about podcasting is, is the ability to kind of bring in that science um but they they're they're seeing that the podcast was just kind of uh i don 't want to say too sciencey, but it didn't it it didn't allow me to really be more flexible. Uh, and i really wanted to try to kind of bring people on and 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 focus more about just kind of stories and and so that's what i'm hoping to do um and so when i had I had talked to Henock about where where the podcast was heading and 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 kind of where i came up with one more mile and 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 for the listeners this really came from uh the Boston marathon winner uh i, I think her name was uh Lyndon um, back in, in April. And so she talked about how, you, you know, she would just tell herself to show up for one more mile. And if, if you go back and you read how she did in that race and, and, and how she was working for others and, and it didn't really become apparent that she could win until kind of the last few miles. And she's just like, you know, you just got to show up for one more mile. Now, I don't know why that stuck with me. Uh, but, but I, I think that's really what, uh, you know the message that I want to send to people is is that it, it doesn't matter what level you're at, uh, if you're just a fitness person, if you're trying to lose weight, it, it's really about sticking in it for the long haul. You know, it doesn't matter what your goals are; you've really got to stick with it because eventually you're going to be successful. You know, and and yeah, you know, I sure I I think we all know that you, you know. I, uh, having been involved in sports for so long it's it 's really about that perseverance you know and, and and being able to be in there long enough and a lot of people are just along the way they just you know for whatever reason they give up, and if you just stick in there long enough you 're going to actually be successful and 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 that 's kind of the message I want to send, but I also want people to kind of take that that idea of one more mile and, and, and going one more mile and, and kind of find their own message in it and, and really just think about how they want to live, how they want to train, how they want to race, whatever it is and find a purpose for it.
1: Yeah, that sounds, that's pretty awesome. It's kind of like, it, kind of like you gotta be, you gotta be, I mean, it's a little bit different, but like, you know, the, the cliche saying, but it's kind of true. You gotta be in it to win it. Uh, you know, some, sometimes you know, you don't feel good, you don't feel good even in a particular race. And right. sometimes people just, oh, they just drop out. And sometimes, you, you know, you get a second win all of a sudden and you, and you come up with a good result at the end of the race. Whereas, you know, half hour before, you're almost going to drop out and then you just decide to like grit it out. And then, you know, you, you, you do well. So I guess it's, it's kind of like the same along the same lines, but not in a particular event, but just overall the way you live your life and your training and all of that.
2: Yeah, I, I would think it's the it, you know uh, to compete, train. It's it's I don't know. It's part of your core fabric. It's it's a it's a way of being. It's hard to uh, um, uh, even, even though I don't race anymore. It's hard not to. I'm um, still exercising all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's what I do. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and in, in you know I hate to say it, but but a lot of life is just showing up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um if 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 you can apart like one thing you know it's like show up because in reality a lot of people don 't you know mm. even when they show up they 're not there you know it's a, yeah. and, and it could be a race, it could be a you know a class, it could be work you, you know you 're at work but but you 're not really there um you, you know i think to to, to find the success uh, and if we want to just go to general fitness and weight loss. I think it's really important for people to to show up to their workouts. You know, to to get up every morning. It's it's uh, you know the worst thing you can do is skip a workout unless you you know unless you really need a rest day and that's that that's something totally different. But it's it's the worst thing is just you know skipping it. Oh, you know I can't, I can't get my workout in today and your workout's forty five minutes. Now I said well all right, well well you got fifteen minutes. Well yeah, but what that's going to do you know you know what is that going to do? And it's well it's going to do a lot more than nothing. Right. Um mm-hmm. and it really and many
2: 30 minute workouts now that like never in the past you know it's just like oh I'll, I'll go out my uh, go out on to Coddington and I go like four miles and do a sprint and then turn around and do three or four more sprints and I'm back it's 30 minutes and then I run into work and you know it's uh, you can stay pretty fit like just doing stuff like that
0: yeah and I I yeah. you know what the <laughs> research? I, I think the research is there. It supports it, you know, for sure, especially if we're looking for general health and, and weight maintenance, you know, mm-hmm. that, the, the, those small bouts of exercise really, really matter. And, and, and you're just trying to convince people to just go out and do a little bit of exercise. I, I try to emphasize the frequency, you know, it, it's better to do a little bit often than it is to do a, a lot all at once. Mm-hmm. And, and you, and you see a particular, lot of older athletes, they, again, they fall into that, you know, that trap of, I got to get my three or four hour ride in. Um, and, and those rides are great, but like for me, I, 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 just, I just don't get a lot out of them because they eat up a lot of time. Uh, it causes a lot of just strife in, gen- in general because you, you you know, you blow your whole day. I mean, you go off ride for four hours, your day's done yeah you got an hour getting ready, you ride four hours, you got an
2: hour of being comatose. right no, you gotta backwards. recover,
1: yeah exactly take a nap
2: yeah and you got you got a little girl, and you know you gotta come home and participate and and we're not thirty
0: no, and oh boy boy, I tell you, let me the uh kids man exhausting, you know, especially if I go out for for a hard training day and and uh you know we come home from school, we go to the park. it's like all right Right, right, right. you go over there and play (laughs) oh no no no, come out and play and you're like oh god i just want to sit here um you know kids are wicked fit and you know you know it's hard to uh it's hard to go out and train that much and then try to you know essentially train with your kid
1: yeah
2: well chris there's a lot of data out there uh to uh support uh like high high intensity uh short duration training just from the perspective of strength muscle mass activities of daily living and you can go back to kramer even in the 90s when they were doing those hormone studies on the impact of exercise on hormones so um even just from your uh like sort of anabolic hormone profile like that kind of workout going to do uh, a lot more for you than like going out for three or four hours where you're basically just in a, a, a pretty wicked catabolic uh, state afterwards and, you know, a high stress state, you know, with, um, cortisol and all that. So, um, th- there's a lot to be said for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, whatever you can fit in there just to, uh, like high intensity.
0: So, is, so yeah, you, you, you bring up an interesting point there because I, I, I think though the, our understanding now particularly is, is there, there's definitely more of a role from the, the, the neural side of things. That, that we didn't really think of especially from a weightlifting standpoint and there are lots of ways that you can tackle weightlifting um to get stronger especially if you're not if you're not an olympic weightlifter we we you know we see now that you don't necessarily have to lift max um as long as you lift hard and and you lift to some type of fatigue you're you're going to get a lot out of that weightlifting session but but it's 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 again putting the stress on the body. We don't need a lot of, a lot, a lot of stress. And, and, you know, I've talked about kind of in the past polarized training and, and kind of the, you know, the wave of, 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 uh, you know, people who, who really support polarized training. I, uh, you know, you're going to get your two camps, but what we see, cause I, I just wor- wor- worked on a review paper, um, about at least partially about this and and the fact is that the more elite you are the tend the the tendency is for you to pile on some more low volume exercise and there is benefit to that low volume exercise but a lot of it comes from the fact that you know you've already trained high intensity you can't add more high intensity and for pro cyclists that they, they can go out and ride four or five hours uh really not activate much of their you know their their uh, particularly their fast switch muscle isn't going to really, really be turned on, just going to use those slow twitch muscle fibers. And those tend to be the ones that benefit the most. So if you're going to be at an elite level, you've got to kind of pile on that, that extra training at a low intensity. And so your training becomes even more polarized. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there, there's a lot to be said for, you know, for high intensity training, as long as you I mean, you know, that's not all you ever do. Uh, you know, kind of CrossFit comes to mind. You know, pe- people just go out and they just, like, hammer themselves every single workout. Uh, and, again, that becomes catabolic too, you know, because you never give yourself time to build up.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it also depends, I guess, what your, you know, what your what your, goals are and what you're competing at, right? And and uh, if you're, you know, a, a pro cyclist or a Cat 1 cyclist and you're doing, you know, 100-mile or, you know, 150 mile road races you, you need to have some volume but you also need to make sure that you're recovering if you're just doing it to to be healthy and lose weight but you're not doing competitive sports you know you you can you still need to recover but you you can push yourself to the edge maybe a little bit more i don't know does that make sense like it's not going to hurt you as much if you do four days of intensity maybe then when you just feel too tired you take a rest yeah, yeah, I, I, you're
2: tired, so you don't go. But like, I'll I'll just mix it up between like doing so, uh, sprints on my bike. I, you know, I live near a little far, So, Like, there's this like steep uphill. I'll just sprint up that, and you know, it's just uh, you know, you're doing five. <laughs> you know, you just five sprints, thirty minutes. You know, all oh, right, minutes. right, and then you know, you're going on with your day. It's never, you know, it's uh, I don't know. Yesterday, for instance, would be a little bit different, but you know. I hiked nine uh, nine and a quarter miles, did it in like two and a half hours at some elevation. My legs are a little tired today, right? But my legs don't really feel that tired like if I go out and do four sprints on my bike the next day. Like, it seems like I could do that like day in and day out for a pretty, pretty long time. And I'm like, sprinting as hard as I can, you know? So it's not, um, yeah, just. It's just just it's just' a small it's a small dose, but the data are clear that like those kinds of dosing are more effective than like if I went out on my bike and tried to ride steady state for like an hour every day right and so right
1: right, it, right exactly uh, yeah it's,
0: yeah, it's, yeah yeah you know, and that's a really good uh point in distinction I, I, when when we're talking about high intensity training interval training. Is is really the work to rest ratio too? Uh, because if, if I go back to my CrossFit example, that, that's a high intensity workout. But it's like you know you know it's like us going on our bikes and sprinting every thirty seconds with you know thirty seconds of rest, and we do that for an hour. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different workout than doing five all out thirty second sprints. Uh, you know the the potential benefits probably aren't aren't, aren't that different. Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there, there's certainly a training stress load that's mm-hmm. different, but, but, but the benefits aren't that different. And, and from the research that I did, um, you know, for my PhD, we, we, we looked at untrained folks, and we did again those 30 second sprints with long rest, and the, you know, more, more of that Tabata style training, uh, uh, training where we did five minutes, and they went 20 seconds and 10 seconds off. Uh, from a, an inflammatory response, there were no differences. From a lactate response, there were no differences. All right, so so we looked at peak lactate. So you know, you know, from that, that aspect, there there doesn't seem to be a you know specific response. But it, you know, kind of getting back to what Tom was saying, like what's going to be, I, I guess, doable three days a week. And, and I think those the, those short sprints with the long recovery period, you can do a lot of those, we, we, we know health-wise, it's going to improve your health, but we also know endurance-wise, it'll improve your endurance, especially if you're untrained. I mean, you can pretty much do anything and be untrained, <laughs> right. but...
1: That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can yeah, think I'm, about
2: training and get a training effect.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, an untrained person can can do just about anything, and I, and I guess that's, that's the other thing that, that I guess maybe we forget to convey to the public is that uh, you know? And we talk about how important exercise is and trying to get them to exercise, but uh, I, I I think a lot of coaches and trainers are so busy trying to sell them on something that the reality is, is it's like do something, okay? Right. You're, you're exactly. gonna do long slow distance, all right? You can do that. Okay, you want to do some sprints, all right? You can do that. You, you want to do this? Yeah, do that. Try you know whatever it is, because uh, if you're doing nothing, uh, anything is better than nothing, really.
2: Right, right, no question about that. So here's a question for both of you guys. So, um, And Chris, you and I, we might have talked about this just briefly, but, like, for me, I find it, psychologically, I find it uh, easier just to go out and do a few sprints than, like, before like if i was going to go out and ride two hours right just from a mental perspective right you're just kind of tooling on the road all right i'm going to try kind of hard on this first one and i'm warmed up then you do three or four more and then you just kind of tool and you go home like that psychologically that doesn't seem that uh, uh challenging to me so but maybe for other folks like trying to go as hard as you can for 30 seconds might just be some hurdle that uh prevents them from Trying that, but like sitting on sitting on an exercise bicycle for an hour, or being on a treadmill in a gym for an hour, like I couldn't imagine that. Like to to me, that would be like purgatory or worse.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's funny you mention that because this comes up a lot in my prescription uh, class each semester. Is if you look at the research on uh, on, on on retention in programs and uh, you, you know, people's desire to exercise. I I know one researcher, uh, his name is Wisloff. He's, he's done a lot of work with cardiac patients. And, and so he's really pushed this, this kind of high intensity model, even if they're, they're on meds like beta blockers, which are going to reduce your heart rate. Still that 90 plus percent of max heart rate is, it, it is potentially the best intensity because you get the most ben, uh, Uh, you know, most bang for your buck physiologically, you know, know, the heart you're, you're going to remodel or restructure that heart positively if you do high intensity work. But what they did is they took two groups and they had one, one group did that kind of that long, steady training on the treadmill, 45 minutes. And then they took the other group that did interval training uh, and they found that the retention rate was higher for the interval training. And I think, uh, you know, it might have been Gabala or somebody else that's, that, 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 that's also looked at this in healthy individuals, and it's the same thing. Interval training is more popular, and it's, it, it has higher retention rate. And so when they ask people why, it gets back to what you said, Tom, about that that, that monotony. Okay, oh I don't, I don't want to sit there and just run for an hour. With intervals, they are given a set number of intervals in a set number of time, and they can focus on each time period so so they in a sense feel like they know when the exercise is going to end when you're just doing long slow steady it feels like it's forever because our perception is different of it so from that aspect uh if you want to get somebody to exercise it it, it's hard to get an untrained person convince them to go high intensity but when we do they like it better especially if it's interval training
1: yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I think it also might be a difference of indoor. I mean, that might change. I don't know if there's any studies to back this up, but just it might, it might, uh, you might get different results if you're talking indoor versus outdoor. Like, obviously, being, you know, going on an exercise bike or a treadmill for an hour is is is, is kind of pure hell. But if you're going out for a nice run or a nice ride outside on a nice, you know, summer day, right, for three or four hours, a lot of people would would, would prefer that. I think to to Super high intensity. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people that do centuries or do, you know, things like that. They love going out and doing a nice three or four hour ride outside. But if you tell them, okay, go out and do an hour with, uh, you know, some VO2 max, they might balk at that. I don't I don't have any studies to back this up, but I'm just just uh, think, you know, thinking out loud.
2: Well, I would say there's definitely a difference between, say, a 30-second effort versus, like, a VO2 max interval. So, you know, like 2.5 minutes at literally 100% of peak power output, Um, that's – that's a psychological hurdle too, right? That's a huge <laughs> psychological hurdle. Yeah. But a yeah. thirty-second sprint, man, you That's know, it's kind of yeah. like ready, go, done. <laughs> I don't know. It seems which is still a hundred percent of peak power, but not aerobic peak power output. It's probably like one hundred and seventy-five percent of aerobic peak power output.
1: But I don't know. But it's so short that it isn't. It isn't. It doesn't pose like a mental barrier. I know what you mean. Yeah,
2: totally. Yeah, yeah. Like you're just like even your heart rate when you get done. Like I don't know. I don't know what my max heart rate is anymore. Maybe like 200, 195. But even at the end of a sprint, like I don't know. I don't even wear my heart rate monitor anymore. But it's probably like 175, 180. But you just got there. The last couple pedal strokes, or at the top of the hill, whatever you're, you know, wherever you're whether you're, you know, on foot or on your bike, and. You know, uh, yeah, just, yeah, it doesn't, not, VO2 max interval, definitely different, but uh, uh, definitely good for someone that's competing.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, yeah, well, there's no question about that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I'm not competing, so. (laughs) I'll pass on those for a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think that, that, uh, you know, that's an important distinction, I, I, um. if I go back to my own research, I I think a lot of people in my my study they they didn't like the Tabata protocol uh, more, but if you're talking about a fatigue factor, the Wingate that that 30 second sprint seemed to lead to a lot more fatigue. I you know I had a couple people. I remember one dude, he, he, uh, he, he, he came in, he finished the trial, you know, they did blood, he got his meal and then he fell asleep for like two hours, you know? <laughs> wow. it, 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 uh, and then another guy like ha- had to like get help walking down the stairs. <laughs> so I felt kind of so bad. Are, um, but these uh, are
1: untra- untrained individuals, correct? Yes.
0: These are untrained yeah, individuals. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and and so that type of effort is definitely going to be uh you, you know more dramatic but but again try, trying to convince somebody to do that short effort I think is important as far as the environment is concerned uh, you know I I, I don't know of, of of what the research is on that um I I I can imagine for myself you know I'd much rather be outside than indoors but I've been doing a lot of zwift you know last couple of years and and uh, you know certainly it 's probably not as good as being outdoors, but I can knock out a good ride i i, I can I can kind of uh, you know immerse myself in that environment um, because it 's engaging and I think that that 's what we want to do is we want to engage people and exercise you know how do you engage them? well, you can give them intervals to focus on so you 've got five intervals okay. This is what you focus on and they can kind of, you know, knock it off one by one uh, ver- you know, you know, versus the 45 minutes. Now, if we said, you know, 45 minutes outdoors, would that be a better, uh, you know, a better retention tool? Uh, you know, it might, unless it's during
1: the becomes summer. But then difficult. Right. Yeah. Then you have to get it. You have to be at a place where you have, you know, a nice, a nice environment to run right out of your front door and not just, you know, to live in the city then obviously, right, it's much easier to jump in the, on the trainer or go to the gym and run on the treadmill than it is to get out to a nice place to ride or run because you don't have it at your front door.
0: Right. I would concur.
2: So, I, don't, I don't really uh, ride my trainer at all anymore. It's really dusty and dirty and – I just, I'll go outside and like, like run up the hill, whether it's raining or whether there's snow. And if it's really rainy, this might sound weird. I'll put my crampons on and like I have wow. like spikes. And I just, you know, it's like 30 minutes. I, I just, I don't, I, hard, I have a hard time getting on my rollers anymore, you know, and I used I mean, to, I used to love it. Like just, three hours, man, I would work out all winter. I'd, you know, have music. It was great. Big fan. Now it's just like, nah, um, I sit down too much, man. Like I'm a department chair, faculty council chair, I'm, I'm I'm at my desk. I just I want to stand up more than I I want to like be on my bike for three hours right now. But
1: I'm <laughs> I'm curious though to Chris's point. Have you? And this is just a uh, question. Have you? Have you uh, ridden with Zwift? Have you tried Zwift? Not that I'm pushing Zwift. I'm just curious.
2: No, no, I I, I.
1: I do think that that to Chris's point, it's it's a it is a game changer. I mean, it it definitely is, as far as riding indoors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For me, uh, riding indoors, especially, uh, you, you know, come winter time, probably November through March in order for me to train, uh, consistently, I I've got to ride indoors. You know, it's, it's, it's too much of a hassle, uh, to get out uh, unless it's a weekend and, and it's just, uh, it's just easier for me to get the work that I need done. But, you know, if I go back five, six years, the, the dread of having to work out indoors was, was something that led me to procrastinate. And with Zwift, I don't procrastinate. It's kind of like, OK, you know, I'm going to ride at five o'clock when I get done, uh, you know, teaching and I'll get home and I'll get dressed and I'll get on there. Um, occasionally, I'll, I'll run into somebody who I know. Uh, but a lot of times it's just, you know, I'm going to do my workout and then I might jump into this training race there and just ride with a group of people. And, and, uh, it, it's, it, it just allows me to focus
1: and yeah, yeah.
0: to kind of focus and do it. And I, I definitely think that I would be less likely to be riding indoors as much without Zwift again, not pushing Zwift. Although, you know, if they want to float us some cash, I I, I would love it. <laughs> um, but I do think it's, uh, you know, it's certainly a game changer. Uh, unfortunately, the flip side of it is I see a lot of people on Zwift and they're just hammering themselves all
1: the time. Right, that's and, what I was going to say. It gets, it could be, it could be counterproductive if, if you're not, you know, very rigorous with your, with your training, because you could end up getting on the trainer five days a week, kind of, kind of, you know, quote unquote racing, and that's oh yeah certainly counterproductive. But I, I definitely a lot of people do that, so so you have to be kind of uh, more, you know strict, not strict, strict isn't the word, but you know what I mean? You have to kind of know, go on the train with a plan, not get all caught up in in the hype of, of chasing wheels every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that I, that I do with Swift is, is I might actually do, uh, you know, a race and, and a group ride and, you know, maybe another race for a single workout. But even before I get there, I've actually done my workout. And, right. and so it, you know, you know, you know, Tom, you're not that familiar with it. Um, or I'm looking at it now. <laughs> so, so like they'll have training races and they'll have different categories. So, so I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll get on my trainer and I'll warm up for, you know, maybe 15 minutes. Okay. And then I'll do my intervals. Uh, and I, and I know that I've got to make, uh, you know, a training race by 5:45. So I get my intervals done. I might just have just finished my last interval. And then I hit the little button and it takes me over to the race. And then I jump in the race, but I don't do the a race. Cause, cause I, and I you know, I know, uh, that you're familiar with it. Um, the, because you've been on there Henock, but
1: and, but Matty uh, heyman might be in the a race or someone else like that
0: yeah <laughs> it's 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 just uh you know and the a races are crazy I mean it's just right. it's it is just too hard but I might do the you know the D race because I want to kind of ri- ride with a group and I want to spin and or, or maybe I want to do sprints and so I'm in with the you know the riders like a good pack of riders and I come and I do the sprint and then I can sit up and I can get back on to the group instead of doing the a race and and you, you know i might sprint at the end i might not i don't really care uh but but i do that so that the whole ride is structured but it's structured in a way that meets the needs of my training uh, and and then i just finish out the ride and i i you know i go i i remember one ride i i i did the you know the race and i did my sprints and then i i just put up a little you know text message to say hey you know is anybody else wanting to do the climb you know, because they had the big Zwift climb, and I, I said, well, you know, if if you want to do the climb, let's meet up after the ride. And I found one guy to, you know, kind of pace me up the climb. Like I was like, oh, I might be riding too hard, because um, <laughs> right. this guy was going hard. But, but, uh, but yeah. So I split off and I did that, and I finished my, you know, my training ride, and 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 that's like two hours. Do, do you guys
2: meet up for, like, a virtual beer afterwards,
1: too? <laughs> <laughs> Beer's got to be real. Beer's be real.
2: <laughs> But, like, in England and stuff like that, they have, like, uh, cycling clubs. You know, like, London, they just ride down to Brighton or whatever, and then they'll, like, eat, like, all kinds of food that you would never think that you would eat, and then they ride back, and, you know, it was uh, definitely, definitely different. You know, in the U.S., you ride somewhere
1: and you share a cliff bar, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting man? eating
2: sandwiches and pastries, you know
1: <laughs> it's a barbecue some ribs, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, I don't know
2: some something to be said for real food sometimes, but
1: <laughs> so to
0: shift focus here a little bit um what, one of the things that that I want to maintain with the podcast and and you know I think this conversation really underscores it is is really trying to bring more in of a conversation that has the science focus on it and also has the, you know, the question part, you know. You know? And so, so one of the reasons why I, I, I didn't necessarily want to co-host that what was like another me, you know, you know, a, a, a person has a PhD is because a lot of times I don't think of the questions that, you know, maybe need to be asked. Um, and, and And so I definitely want to kind of tackle a lot of the misinformation out there. And cover some in, interesting topics because there there is a lot of misinformation. I, I think this goes back to you know, what we were talking about originally when Tom got into cycling and and, and just the you know the, the disconnect of information that we had, um, even as students in trying to to kind of assimilate the information that was in the journals and apply it to training with with the complete nonsense. Okay. And it seems like the nonsense training ideas haven't gone away. Um, and I'm wondering what, what maybe the problem is in, in communicating that. And, and I just bring this up because a specific example came up. Uh, I, I I think it was yesterday. There was a tweet put up by, uh, Trent Stellingworth. And and if you're not familiar with him, he's, he's kind of like a uh, a big kind of younger sports scientist, uh, does a lot of work with Canadian athletes. And he was highly critical of Ben Greenfield, who's um, not, not scientific. And, and you, know, you know, I've talked to, uh, you, you know, a few people, and this comes up in my classes a lot of times, Ben Greenfield is the kind of poster child for pseudoscience. Um, but back in whatever, 2006, he was also the NSCA's uh, you know, personal trainer of the year. And so that mixture really confuses people, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what the, you know, what the disconnect is and, and, and how to fix that. Um, because when you have a guy who has a, a, a lot of reputation out there pushing things, in this case, uh, stem cell injections, you know, in his, his living room, you know, and, and, and kids and, and adults are seeing that and saying, hey, you know, maybe I should try that you know is that really good uh is that really good for us and and maybe as professionals like what do we need to do to to kind of change that culture
2: that's a that's a tough question
0: (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) i mean there's that has always existed i mean i don't know when you mentioned you know people doing stuff that maybe they shouldn't you know not necessarily shouldn't ought to do but maybe there's not a lot of science for it it just made me think about like in the uh mid to late 90s like everybody was doing threshold training um like as a primary means with which to advance and you know you could make a case for some aspects of threshold training if you're competitive but like that's what all the <laughs> it's what all the pros were doing so it's what you read about in the magazine and Like everybody else would read that, and they're like, "Okay, I need to, you know, do you know nothing but threshold training to um, advance as an athlete." And you know, it was it wasn't really until like more actual studies were conducted, right? You you know, you go to the studies out of Noakes, for instance, and the other guys out of South Africa or Larson out of Australia, where they were uh, uh, directly comparing. Um, impacts on, you know, peak power output and time trial performance with the various types of intervals that were out there. And, like, threshold training was, like, always, like, at the bottom of the heap, right, compared to, like, uh, VO2 max intervals or even 30-second intervals, right? So, um, yeah, it's like, I don't know. People, like, they look and see what their heroes are saying that they're doing or reading about, and then they're, it's hard to convince uh, people otherwise, you know.
0: Yeah, it, you, you know, going back to that. I mean, Konkoni and conconi training and 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 uh, the Konkoni test. That that was what I learned. You, you know, what we needed to do to find your threshold. You you got to go out and get a conconi test, and and then uh, you know, I, I I don't remember. I think it was maybe my junior year of college. or my senior year? I, I remember reading this paper. And it was a review paper and, and, and they were talking about how you know nobody can reproduce conconi 's results like like, no, like like nobody's ever been able to reproduce his results and, and then they went on to explain possibly why that was, and it was basically he took uh, he took the data and then he back like applied it to the heart rate you know he didn 't try to actually take the heart rate and like predict like. Like lactate values, he just kind of back applied it, and so he got this like perfect correlation. Ooh, um, but but that Konkoni and in Konkoni training, that that really, I, I, it, at least in part, led to that, that threshold boom of training. But they neglected to tell us all the blood doping, you know? So, so yeah, right. It's like, oh, by the way, we're, we're not going to tell you about that, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah, and, and so we, we, we have to be very careful about interpreting the pro results because um, there's a lot of stuff. And I, I, again, we, we don't want to you, you know, go down the doping path, but, but there are a lot of factors. There are a lot of factors in professional athletes that we can't account for, and, and, and so trying to apply that. And even if we took lactate threshold, uh, lactate threshold in a professional cyclist is at a very high percentage of VO2 max. Okay, the typical person they're going to be at lactate threshold like what? Well, like sixty-five, seventy percent of VO two max, which is more like an endurance pace. It, so right that, there,
2: that would be an active person. So like your sedentary person, it might be more like forty-five or fifty.
0: Yeah. So so there you've got very divergent training results. Okay, not not even close. And and, and we know uh, from from a host of studies that. The both the absolute and the relative training intensity matter. You know, if you take somebody and you go back to our thirty second Wingate sprints and you have them train for six months, but they're training at the same power output as they started, they will not continue to 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 improve. But if you increase their power output, that workload as as they get better, and and and, you know a lot of people are probably saying, well, well, no shit. I mean, that, that makes sense, but but we often forget that, you know, so, so when we're talking about those, those different types of training, we have to be very careful about applying professional-level training because there's, there's just a lot of stuff those guys are doing, a lot of uh, things that they get, um, you know, recovery-wise that we can't get either.
1: Well, I think that, that's – I mean people just co- try to copy what the pros is, but even – you know, even nefarious things aside, I mean, their whole lifestyle is geared around training, right? So it's not like they're coming back from an eight-hour day at the office or at the factory or whatever, and then doing a training. Their job is training and recovery. So a regular person that tries to emulate what they're doing, it's just impossible. Um, And a lot of people just don't realize that. Uh, They're like, oh, well, you know, if if this guy's doing it, I'm going to do it. Well, that guy's whole job is to ride or run and come home and take a three-hour nap. That's his job. He's got
2: support. He's got support staff uh, helping him out in many, many uh,
1: times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. He'll have a car behind him handing him water bottles or whatever. You know, <laughs> just all these little things like that. Even everything that's totally above water, everything that's legal. Forget about the the illegal stuff. You know that that that. I mean, that's huge. But a lot of people just don't realize that, or don't quite understand the the how important that is, or how much you know, how, how much that affects your, the level of training you're able to sustain and things like that. And then you see, well, if, if the pros are doing it, I'm going to do it, you know? So, um, I think that that's a big, a big problem that, that just, you know, I don't know the message isn't getting across quite, quite possibly quite right. Yeah.
0: I don't think that message ever gets across. I mean, I I made those mistakes as a rider. Yeah, yeah. And and, and uh, that that it message seems like it's always like you're, you're you're telling the new guy or the junior or something, hey, you can't do that many hours. I I I, I tell you, I think about the way I trained as a junior, um, and this I, I think for me, you know, you know, hindsight clearly being twenty twenty, but 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 this is the one thing that that I, I think frustrates me is just the coaching advice that I got. Uh, especially as a junior, was just shit. It was just shitty advice, and I don't I don't know if I can necessarily like blame people because you, you know a lot of them didn't know any better, but there was just a lot of bad advice. And so it, you you kind of think, oh, you know, if I, if only I was training just a little bit smarter, if you just had one person said, yeah, you right, know what, right. maybe just go hard one day, um, yeah. you, you could have been. You could have been a lot more successful. Nowadays, that that excuse isn't there. I mean, the information is there. Unfortunately, there's just so much, so much information. It's like information overload. Um, and trying to discern the good from the bad, I, I think, gets back to that science versus pseudoscience. Is it's unfortunate because you're always. You you know you're always bombarded. You you go to Runner's World or something or or you, you know some triathlon website and it's like one one day they got one article saying do it you know you know do intervals and then the next day they'll have something that says no don't do intervals only right. do slow training and you're yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I mean how could somebody figure it out it's right. uh, it's uh, it's hard you know it's hard to 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 make those the, those distinctions in the training but I think that. Uh, what, one of my goals is to really have that, that as a resource, so, so that people can come in and, and they can get the information. And, and I, I might not always be right, but I, I'm at least going to say, "Okay, well, you know, this is the information, you know, and this is where the, the you know, my information is coming from, and this is why I say it is." Uh, and I think that's one thing that's lacking still. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: was going to say, get a good coach, but, you know. know. (laughs) Find one. It's it's easier said than done, uh, perhaps, you know. I mean, I think a a lot of kids, uh, younger people, or I don't know, anybody that starts exercising, like, maybe their concept of a coach is somebody that's experienced, that's already been doing it, and they may not. Have a wealth of knowledge and you know maybe they have a lot you know she's it's it's not a, the the best athlete is not necessarily the best coach right so um,
1: maybe right, that's exactly one, right yeah. one,
2: one of the pitfalls
1: i mean i do i I do think there are some uh this is going back a lot but I had a friend that was being coached by uh by next pro cyclist and he was giving him this crazy volume of training that you know, kind of was like in the mind of a pro cyclist. Kind of goes back to what I said earlier. But he wasn't taking into, into account that this this guy wasn't a pro cyclist. He had a full time job. And I was like, he's he's going to kill this guy. And he, did you know, eventually he got burnt out and he stopped stopped riding. I think it was because he was. I was like, what kind of training are you doing? This is nuts for for <laughs> you know. But he was like, well, he told me to do it. He must not. He's he's a pro. He knows. What he's talking about, I was like, ah, he knows. I don't think he does. <laughs> you know, he, and he knows pro. I mean, he has. You know, he has. He was born with with a gift of you know huge lungs and strong legs. But I don't think he knows what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so, and and maybe uh, you know, maybe like maybe this pro was was uh, thirty years old. You, you know, and he's also forgetting he's got ten years of experience right. behind him. That 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 peripheral musculature experience not 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 even the neurological side of things just just you're, you're able to absorb those training loads and that you know that's a key and I I've seen that I've I've seen a lot of people uh you know back when I started kind of really getting into coaching back, back in probably 2002 2003 you know it'd just be like so many people would flock to like some retired pro um and 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 they would struggle uh, because when, one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of coaches, it's like they're it, it's their way or the highway. And so if their program works for you, great. If it doesn't, well, they've got enough clients. They don't care. You know, uh, you know, it's not working for you. Well, you must be the problem, um, you know, like whereas me, you know, I I've, I've work with clients and I'm like, you know, I, I start from the same standpoint because I've got my philosophy. But it's like, OK, well, that's not working. We got to figure out. What it is that's going to get you successful, and, and my way is not working. Right. So let's try a different way. Let, let's you know, let's do it. And I've I've had a couple of people that it's taken me six months to figure it out. Some people they don't want to hang around that long, but it, you know most people respond pretty predictably. Not everybody does.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So. Well, cool. What, what do you what do you guys think about? Um, you know, just kind of looking ahead in, in, in the next year, not necessarily from, from a cycling standpoint, um, but just from, a, I, I think, an exercise and training standpoint, you know, where do you think things are heading, uh, you know, either health, fitness, what, what, what topic or what issue, what area do you, are you looking at down the line, you know, probably in the next year to, to uh, that might be a game changer?
2: you think there's something new out there i don't, I don't know okay. <laughs> how about we just try what works <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's like yeah i've been thinking like uh you know you had mentioned uh not like changing loads you know with your training regimen it made me think about uh folks who go to the gym and start uh weight lifting and and stuff like that i i don't know you know i i, I think i There's a tendency – like I see it in the wellness clinic. So at Ithaca College, we have a a, a wellness clinic where it's training young – to be professionals and how to do fitness programming and work with clients. And like I always see those folks, uh, the young professionals trying to – Trying to engage the clients and all these new things, which are great. I mean, there's like you know much more uh, functional type exercises and like you see like seeing bouncing on one foot like a Bosi ball and then they're tossing them <laughs> like a barbell. <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh my goodness. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like sometimes I just think like if we could just get people to like go to the gym and like. Even just do a circuit (laughs) and, you know, go through seven machines, big body sections and, you know, have someone make sure that they're moving the weight plate up every week or something like that, right? Because a lot of times you'll, someone will start and they'll go around and it'll be like the third plate and two months later, they're still on the third plate. (laughs) right? (laughs) And like, if we could just get them to do that and then get them to like, you know, do some kind of like short interval training i'm just thinking general population not thinking about training people some short interval training and um and then have them do, like have their functional training be like hey why don't you go mulch your garden right you know that, that if we could do that for the majority of the citizens in the united states like it would be a tremendous benefit for like health outcomes just just that right there and like that's what I mean like do, we don't necessarily need something new we just need to start doing what we, we know works for the average citizen you know so I'll get off my soapbox nothing
1: nothing, <laughs> too, nothing revolutionary right? just actually start doing what we already know
2: Boy, yeah so some, right, like we, we know what works I mean I don't know I look at it just to be kind of uh, think philosophical here or me- metaphysical I think about like think about human beings uh like evolution right so uh agriculture didn't start until 10,000 years ago roughly and then you look at like uh, onset of diseases related to like uh mass agriculture like compared to before not that we had healthcare statistics uh, before then, per se, right? But just look at it, like, one of the things I find so uh, stark is that, you know, like, Homo erectus was, like, six foot tall, right? At the turn of the 20th century or, like, go back to the Revolutionary War era and you go visit a museum and, like, here are the bunks for the men, you know? and like The average bunk was, like, five foot two, right? So, like, humans didn't get shorter. That was just a, a response to the kind of diet we had and you look at the turn of the 20th century like you look at the Japanese soldier in World War II like 5'2 you look at that average height of a Japanese person like there wasn't like there's no evolution there in Japanese now we had selection of like height in Japan it's just like they have different diets they're just not just eating rice and so um if not, like I mean, I guess I'm like harking back to like Paleolithic or whatever, but like I think if we could get closer to like the things that uh, led to the selection of the skills and capability, you know, the attributes that we have as physical beings, I think we could go a long way to just I- improving not only the, our quality of our life physically, but even the quality of our life psychologically. And um, anyway, let's just, it's just food for thought, there. Sorry, Chris.
1: <laughs> no pun intended, right? Food for thought. <laughs> yes. Food
2: part of it, but just, like, right. We evolved to move, right? We we moved as beings, like we didn't evolve to live like we do now, man.
0: That's a really good point because um, it, 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 you're talking about where we started to develop these diseases. Uh, it, you know, farming. If if you look at the. Uh, oh. The skeletal strength, and, and I think it was a paper from from maybe, maybe three or four years ago at this point, uh, but but they clearly showed that that when when we started farming, we started developing weaker bones, and and that's even hard for people to understand because they're like, well, yeah, but you know, uh, an old time farmer they were really active, and it's like, yeah, they were they were really active, but not not nearly what we were when we were you know hunting and foraging and. And and I think it's unrealistic. I, I, I don't think we want to go back to necessarily that lifestyle. We know.
2: got eight billion yeah. people. That would we'd run out of deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean that that, that that's necessarily not, not what you want. And I, I don't think that the, the 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 scientists that study that is are 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 saying that. But again, you're 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 right. We got to get back to more activity. Get out of the car. Just 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 doing you know doing more stuff. Um, you, you know, you mentioned students and, and kind of that, that, that training, we, we run into this all the time. I mean, you know, teaching a prescription course and having taught strength and conditioning, they're always kind of coming up with these, these crazy programs. And, and it's like, you know, just start with the guidelines, start with the basics, you know, because if, if you don't understand the basics, you, 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 you can't make those other programs. All right. Cause, cause you don't understand what the basis of those, the, those programs are, but just basics. Just start with the basics, get more active uh you know I mean my daughter's school is is about a half mile from here um you, you know now we like walk or ride you know she rides her bike there like a, every day it takes a little bit more time, but man you know i I, I dread having to drop her off in the car because because I'm not only you know you know missing out on some activity <laughs> you know for myself like she's missing out on activity you know and kids want right. to be active. Uh, right, exactly. you know I think we' take away that 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 uh, in, innate desire to be active and and e- even the innate desire to eat well right well, think about
2: recess at school or even uh, changes in uh, frequency for physical education classes so uh, re- would recess it 's been really neutered right because uh, um, they 've taken out any uh, competition right because competition might. Uh, have an impact on someone's self efficacy, so let's not have that happen so then there's no competition uh at recess and uh, comp- uh, competition really spurred John when you were i remember grammar school we we came in pretty uh pretty wasted from (laughs) from Mm -hmm. from recess and I can remember when Ian was in recess he'd come you know or come back from school and talk about recess like now we can't play this one anymore we can't play this game anymore now we we sit around you know and and uh it's 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 unfortunate right so you know I think about um it all related to these kinds of things now it's Um, Think about like uh, boys now, Um, you know, like 60 percent of the college population is is female and, you know, therefore only 40 percent is uh, male. That's easy math. But um, that's that's a big change. And, uh, you know, I look at performance in my I teach a first year class. And, you know, maybe I'll have like 40 kids making an A and of those 40, 25 of them be outright A's and up 25 outright A's, not not including A minus of those 25 outright A's, it might be 22 females, 23 females, two guys. Yeah. Right. And you go to, you know, elementary school, it's like, okay, right. You, no competition at the uh, recess. Um, PE is less frequent now um you're not sitting still we got all these instructions so you know maybe you know maybe we'll have to uh, evaluate you for attention deficit and um, the United States leads the world in the prescription of ADHD medications, right? And it's kind of right. like, all right, so you know maybe boys should start school a little bit later. You know maybe the kindergarten should be five year old girls and seven year old boys or something. And it, and there should be PE like maybe twice a day. And and at recess they should maybe be allowed to go out and like run around like you know uh, you know uh, uncaged and like you know maybe we would do a little bit better that way. Than and, um you know putting them on medication and trying to make people sit in a chair for uh longer than we've ever sat in chairs you know from an evolutionary perspective but Not, what do I know I'm just, I'm just a college <laughs> professor
0: <laughs> no I think I I think you're right I think that and and I think the the you know research in that area is difficult um but I think that 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 most experts. child development would agree. I I mean, there's definitely, uh, there, there's definitely a link between activity levels and behavior, but I I always go back to there, there, there's data. Um, I forget the study, but, but there was data from California. Okay. And so they they were looking at, uh, how kids performed well in, in, in school and, and, uh, and and basically it was a, a straight line relationship. The kids that had the least amount of activity did the poorest in school. The kids that had the most amount of activity, which is like five days a week, did the best. It was was just a linear, linear relationship. Okay, so so every time you added more activity, they did better.
2: Was it spontaneous or like parent? parent initiated activity I, I think
0: i don't i don't think that they had delineated in this study I, right. I and it it may be i actually uh if i recall correctly it might be physical education even right that's it what i
1: was thinking That way they could track it
0: right yeah so right, so i mean right. it's just but but in general the more active they are the better they did and and that's there right. is a lot of there there are a lot of potential reasons why that that is but but certainly uh physical activity lends itself to better mental focus. That's such
2: a low paying profession right now. And um, it's yeah. hard to um, it's not, you know, not that popular, but it's like, I don't know. It's like the same thing Chris would, you know, uh, exercise is medicine. Right. So, I'm, like, we have all these uh, pharmaceuticals, right, that we prescribe for people with all these conditions, but so many of them are just really related to diseases of lifestyle. So yeah. if we could just alter our lifestyle, um, we, we, you know, just be a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll just leave it at that. A lot better, you know? So, I mean, you know, I got five medicines and then you got to take medicines for your side effects of your medicines and, you know, right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the, just that interaction of medications, you know, the more medication you put somebody on and then it starts, it starts diminishing the effect of, of some other medication or, you know, right. Exactly. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the attention deficit disorder thing, you you know, even in college is, is really exploded. And, and so you, you can, um, it's seen
2: as a study aid, Chris, that's, you know, kids think that, you know, like, okay, if I, if I do some Ritalin or whatever, it's going to enable me to, uh, study better. And I tried to tell the students that like medicines like that, um, particularly like attention deficit is, um, it, it if you actually had it, it tends to wane as you know you reach you know college age, not always. Right? There's adults that have attention deficit disorder, but uh, the medicines then, particularly the amphetamine based ones, um, s- stop uh, acting as something that helps you focus, and they act more as an amphetamine, and yeah. as you get older, and what it makes you better at are repetitive tasks. Right, so uh, a repetitive task might not be copying over your notes for um, for retention. A repetitive task is more like, you know, I, I need to punch a hundred holes, or you know, I'm going to clean up my <laughs> right. bedroom or something, or I'm going to make another list, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great YouTube on that. They got like these four boys are like you know. Oh, we got a final tomorrow. There's no way we can we we can pass this final. No, no, don't worry, guys. I got some medicine. You know, I got some Ritalin, and so they all do the Ritalin. And you know, two guys spend the whole night making a table upon which they're gonna study. <laughs> <laughs> and another guy spends the whole night like on the internet, like Facebooking, <laughs> like <liking laughs> everybody's page, like a repetitive task. Do 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 do. Right. And uh, I try to tell them, man, it's not gonna, not gonna. I've had kids show up for final exams, and they're just clearly wired. You know, you, you just yeah, know right. it. They up yeah. all night, and they're like on speed. And I'll, I'll just ask them. I'm like, all right, dude, man, did you get any sleep? Or are, are you on like, are you on Adderall right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be like, all right, all right. So come back and take the final tomorrow or the day after. All right, let's <laughs> let's not run this experiment because this is not gonna go well. You know. <laughs> Yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's the life of a professor, man. You try to, you try to steer them in the, the best path, but, you know, like, experience is the best teacher. So no matter, what, no matter what I say, right, and it's the same way with me. Like, my father would try to give me advice when I was a kid, and two years later, three years later, I'd be like, you were right, Dad. You know? <laughs> so,
1: right, exactly.
2: Yep, same way as a professor. So, like, kids kids learn, they adapt. So.
1: Maybe not in time.
2: Yes, Time's a good teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, speaking of a time, though, what I'm going to do now is take a quick break. And when we come back, we are actually going to pick up the race action at the Tour de France on the climb to Alpe d'Huez. Stick around. At this spot, I stay on top, I've been away. Time go by. Bye. Welcome back to the One More Mile podcast. On our inaugural podcast, we are talking with both our new co host, Hannah Getz, and Ithaca College's Dr. Tom. Swenson, and here we are actually going to shift focus because it is the Tour de France, and that's really what a lot of people want to talk about. So what we're going to do is pick up the race action on Alpe d'Huez and find out what all we're thinking. Looks like we got about 2.8 kilometers to go. Um, not a lot of time left. Uh, what's everybody thinking? What's everybody uh, their picks for the stage? What are we all thinking at this point?
1: Well, we're, <laughs> I'm thinking at least Stephen Kreiser went out there and tried, like everyone else, just follows Sky around. They're all so afraid of Sky. Win or lose, at least he, he you know, he, t- he took the fight to them. But obviously, Froome's going to win. Like it's, it's not really ever a question.
2: Well, I, I'm going for TD, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Froome as well. I think, uh, you know, if things are close, uh, it, it's definitely going to go Froome. Um, but, but it really depends. I, I think, like I said earlier, uh, it, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, that kind of that tactical thing, you know, let them get ahead. If, if, if it's a guy like Bardet or something, you're, you're going to let that guy go up the road because he can't time trial at all.
2: Yeah, right. you asked about that in a text message. Why can't he? <laughs> but he can climb uphill, right? So he's putting out watts.
1: Yeah, that, that was going to be one of my official questions for the podcast: is what the science, you know, the science behind why some of these climbers can seem to time trials? With it. Is it? I guess we can get to that later. That was that was one of my official questions. <laughs> well,
2: well, so, so some of them in the late nineties seemingly became amazingly good uh, time trialists, and even in the two thousands. Uh, well,
0: he, yeah, there was a short time, too. I mean, you know, Pontani, uh, the year that he won the tour in 98, the, there was one of those flat time trials that he finished third in.
2: Uh, yeah, he got And third. that was
0: kind of the wake-up call because he, he went from finishing like 170th to third. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think we all know what was going on, but uh, there, there, there was a good bit of research, I think, in the late 90s and early 2000s uh, that that kind of uh, ex- expounded on this topic. Um, I don't know if it answered any specific questions, but uh, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to that that power to weight ratio and and watts, well, well, watts per kilo and VO two max. I think is what they they mainly found. Uh, and then there's a lot of technical aspects. Uh, you, you know, with flat time trialing, it it really comes down to you know absolute power output.
1: Okay, hey, I look, think that's the right. main Ooh. thing.
0: is I mean, so, attacking,
1: right? But I mean, so the, so the but the question is, is it some of these some of these guys from the you know, old school countries, you know, like France or Italy? Hey, fruits dropped. Yeah.
0: Uh oh, there goes my prediction.
1: <laughs> yeah. Damn. I don't know. if oh, he's uh, dropped. froome always he looks like he's dropped, and all of a sudden he wins. He wins anyway. I know he's so, yeah. well. He might be <laughs> riding Bardet off. There back. he is. He's back. He's he's back. Yeah.
0: I mean that, that that's a, I guess an old school tactic. You know, you take the the guy on your wheel off the back, and <laughs> he right, right. Great, uh back up to the group. Um, so I don't know. We'll see.
2: Uh, yeah he's not pushing on man he's got g t sitting
0: on
1: yeah he's he's not going to pull Garen and Froome to the line
0: yeah yeah um but but yeah getting back to your you know your question i i think it really uh you know number one it comes down to the absolute power output um you, you know you mentioned kind of those old school con uh, the old school countries like like the italians and and France never seem to produce a, a, a great time trialist. You know, I, I have to wonder if that's more kind of like the social aspects um, Well, that's, of...
1: that's what I'm wondering. Is it more like they they ha- they romanticize you know the climbs and all that, and they just don't really put any effort into time trialing? But I, on the other hand, that's one, people say that, but I, it's hard for me to imagine that a guy like Bardet, with his whole team that's, you know, one of the big teams of modern cycling, would just say, ah, uh, we don't care about time trialing. I mean, maybe it's true, but I, it sounds... I have a difficult time you know accepting that
0: yeah I, I i don't know i i mean tom can 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 probably speak this I don't think it's it's a lack of effort, but I think it's uh a lack of exposure you know so so the races that they're in and i i I am raced in Spain, but uh Spain is not a hotbed for time traveling outside of a handful of of uh, you know really good riders, there, there aren't that many good Spanish time trialists. I uh, you know, and I think a, a lot of it comes down to, to to just that exposure. I mean, why are British cyclists good time trialists? I I, I mean, there are like eight million time trials and time trial series in Britain and, and and whatnot. Um, but I think a lot of it just comes down to the makeup of the rider. I mean, if, if you're looking at countries, you know, Colombia. Just high power to weight ratio, uh, you know, probably high VO2 max, but tiny guys max, but not a high absolute power output, right? I mean, right, right. yeah, yeah. How, how, how big is uh, Quintana? Like, 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 what, like 110 or 115 pounds? I, I mean, there's only so much power output that you can get out of somebody that 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 small, uh, but power to weight ratio is massive, so so it's 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 kind of balancing those factors but I think that's really what it comes down to there is some or, or some technical aspects and in in whatnot but I you know I think it's hard if you haven't if you don't have the characteristics early on to be a good time trialist I think you're going to have a, a hard time being a time trialist and uh, there was a, a, a series from Bell News that, not scientific research, but they, they were kind of looking at the kind of the science of climbing. And I, I think their findings just, just really match up with what was done in the research before. But climbers uh, tend to have a harder time or at least tend to not keep such a steady pace on the climbs. Uh, and, and you can see those constant accelerations and backing off, whereas a time trialist like you know like 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 a Dumoulin is going to sit and ride at one pace. Uh, you, you know, Froome is unique. Right. He time trials really well, but he I, I think he trains himself to do these big accelerations. So,
1: right, right. So Come it might jam. actually be
0: easier to 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 perhaps be a time trialist jam. than then... Train it up so anyways right
2: another 10 second time bonus well, TD
0: second man
1: he's not uh he's not laying down for Froome yet so that'll be interesting
0: so again we're we're going to be looking at a couple more mountain stages and then we're going to be looking at 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 a time trial um he, you know we haven't I don't think seen Thomas uh be in a position of leadership and then time trial at the end of a grand tour. I think he's, he's old enough, he's done enough racing that you're not going to see him fall apart, kind of like a Bardet, um, just completely implode. But, but uh, you know, it will be interesting, and I think, you know, it might come down to that time trial unless one, one of them really cracks. And with a minute something, I don't, I don't see Thomas losing, you know, a minute 30. On, on Froome? On no. Froome, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's just not going to happen.
1: Um, but w- I wonder, it will be interesting to see, though. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's uh, happened yet. But if say if, if there's a stage in the mountain, let's say, in theory, where Dumoulin attacks real hard and there's only Froome and Thomas left, who's going to work for who? I mean, that, that scenario might never yeah. occur. But in theory, if it occurs, what it looks call like, is Sky going to make?
0: Hey, hey, just to jump in, it looks like Thomas is is uh, what's that taking third. Or does he... No, he won oh, the he stage. Won. Oh, he won. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, so I missed the action. Oh, man.
2: He he won the stage. TD got second. Um, I think Bardet was third.
1: Yeah. that. Yeah, he, prob- he, he probably took, like, another five or six seconds out of room today.
2: Yeah, and, and a 10-second time bonus. Yeah.
1: Oh, right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah.
2: And TD got six more seconds.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I think Sky is going to be in a... Uh, a unique and, and potentially difficult situation. I don't. I don't know if anybody saw the comments that Bradley Wiggins had made uh, about Brailsford, but um, he was he, he he was pretty harsh as far as uh, what these two can be expecting from Brailsford, and and um, you know, kind of playing both sides of it. So I, I I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's hard to see Thomas. You know, perhaps staying at Sky. I mean. How, you know, thinking way ahead. I, I mean, how do you go into next year's tour if Thomas wins, where you've got a four-time tour champion who really, you know, was set back by an early crash? Not, not you know, he wasn't strong enough to go. And then you have another guy who's your defending champion.
1: You know? Yeah, it will be interesting. I don't know what Thomas's contract is like, but uh, it certainly would be an interesting scenario. I mean, there's a lot of ifs, but I yeah. still think Froome will win the tour. But if Thomas does end up winning the tour. You know, I'm sure he'll have a lot of teams calling, calling with their big checkbook open. Yeah, but it will—it will certainly be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's got he, a lot of
2: power at the end of the stage, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. and and and, uh, and and the one thing I've noticed about Thomas is uh, his uh, his ability to climb is better than Wiggins. You know, I, I think Wiggins won 2012 largely because the course was just ideally suited to him. Uh, and he could kind of sit on a lot of climbs and just kind of grind it out, uh, you know, the way that Miguel did back in the 90s. But Thomas is definitely more explosive. You know, his attack yesterday, his sprint today, he definitely seems to have more of an explosive power output. Um, that, that is certainly a benefit if you're talking about a, a hilly uh, race, and, and even more so than Dumlon. Um You know, Tom is really you know kind of stuck you know he's he's got really one pace uh so it'd be interesting how that shapes up yeah yeah but well, I look i look forward to watching it
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> palace intrigue
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: so to, to your uh my thought on that question that you asked like if if both g and uh Froome, had to, uh, we're in a situation where they had to work together. I, I, th- I, th- I bet you they would uh, work together. I don't think one person would necessarily sacrifice. You know, ultimately, Sky wants to win the tour, so.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, so they, I mean, um, geez, uh, you know, I don't know. He's almost got like two minutes now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's the important thing. It is going to come to a point where, you know, particularly in the last week. It'll be interesting to see if Room is given kind of free reign, uh to 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 go for a stage win or even still try to win. Uh but there definitely comes to a point where you you've gotta say, all right, well, you know, let's get to the end of the tour, let's make sure we win the tour. Let's not not, not throw in the tour because we're we're still trying to decide. Um, you know, if we go back to eighty six with with you know, Eno know and Lamond uh, there really wasn't anybody else in that race. You know, there was no threat of 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 like either of those guys or maybe the team losing. It was like you know, if one of those guys rode off a cliff, you know, the other guy was going to be there to win. going to win, yeah. Um, you know, third place was just so far back. The, those guys were 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 heads and shoulders. This race is close enough that you know, Sky can't afford to do that. You know, it only takes one, you know, one day as Froome proved in the Giro. It only takes one. day. I was going to ask about that. You think he's going to launch a long, no, long? Right. Hey, how could he? That'd be like. Uh,
2: remember, uh, you spoke at the '86 tour. Remember when uh, the first day in the Pyrenees, when uh, Eno attacks, <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I, years, he, he you, you know what? That's completely analogous.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that would be a completely analogous, uh, you know, comparison there where where you have. Froome going and and then you know Thomas is kind of like well well wait a second I've got I've got a sizable lead why why are you attacking? Um,
1: oh, that's true. Yeah, that would be interesting. So you think they might hold him back? They won't let him try yeah, I, to do a move like that.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. But but um, well, I can tell you one surefire way to get rid of Thomas on the team <laughs> is to let Froome <laughs> go off the road like that. Um, right. Because I sure as hell wouldn't stick around on the team like that. <laughs> it's like. I got the yellow jersey. I can win this race, you know? And, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, I'll just let him go.
2: Um, and that made it That's really good. That's what difficult. LeMond did in 86, remember? Yeah. And he got criticized for like belly aching, right? You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, if we, yep. again, go, go, go back to that, uh, I think Paul Coakley got, got really criticized too, because uh, he never really took uh, a hard line stance on, on who the leader was at that point and, and to rein anybody in. And, and, and I've met Paul and, and I talked to him about that. And he, he had, he had his own comments to say, but I, I think that, you know, the criticism is, is at least partly, uh, you know, legit because again, you, you've got somebody who's leading and then you got this guy, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure he deserves to win. And it's kind of like, well, he's of got the right. lead. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but that was, he you know, and you know, we all know that he you knows kind of a curmudgeon anyway. So, <laughs> um you know that's it is i don't know that's cycling um but all right so so stage is wrapped up uh you know and 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 i do want to talk about some other things related to the race and and whatnot but i guess moving ahead uh we've got a couple more days but and and then the next rest day i mean what what do you think we're looking at from a uh, you know, from a, a, a race standpoint for the other riders in the race? I mean, what, what did we see today? What did we not see? I mean, I, there wasn't too many people left. I think uh, there, there are a bunch of guys that are definitely out of it at this point.
1: I think, we, I, think real, I mean, as far as realistically speaking, Tom Dumoulin is the only challenger. I mean, Bardet can climb with them, but, he, he, you know, you he know right. he's going to lose heaps of time in the TT. Right. And everybody else was dropped today. I mean, there was no one else there at the end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Landa was there, but Landa's too far back. His crash, you know, it really hurt him. Yeah. And he can't, you yeah. know, so really, it's much easier for Sky. They really only need to control one guy now. I yeah. mean, really, I don't see anyone else challenging other than Dumoulin. Uh, really, really, you know, having a legit shot at, at winning. Garday, probably the podium, you know, probably a third place, but who know? you know.
0: He, he's going to have to have a really phenomenal last week. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And I you know, I mean, not to go back in time, but but I think that that at least he's shown that he's been really fatigued at the end. Uh, so I mean, I think that's a long shot. I think he he does have a chance there, but but I I, I think it's a long shot. Maybe Nievely, uh, you know, making the podium, but he'd have to have a, a uh, you know, you know, what was it, 2016 Giro or something, where where he has like really a phenomenal day where he can. He he can cut in there, but he's not going to come back. And yeah, well, he's
2: forty seven forty seven seconds down on a podium right now. And then uh, about nine seconds uh, past him is uh, Rogelik.
1: Yeah, and Rogulic actually Rogulic is a pretty good time trialist. But it, of course, it'll, a lot will 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 depend what happens next week and the mount- in the other mountains. tyrannies. Yeah, exactly. So so we don't know. I mean, Nibali does seem to get more you know stronger in the third week. So. There's a possibility he could surpass Roglic, but I think if uh, it comes to the time trial, Roglic can take, can take, you know, the nine seconds or whatever it was that you just mentioned out of him, I think. Nibali's a decent time trialist, but Roglic is a, is a well, top time trialist.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with you up until the point that, again, that fatigue factor. So well, that's you're, Roglic- you're talking about a guy who's won all three grand tours, and you're talking sure. about a guy who who really has no pedigree in a grand tour. And
1: That's very true. That's very true, yeah.
0: You, you know, what we've seen, particularly in the the post-doping era, and this is one of the things where, that that is, I think, a key piece of data that I don't see talked about a lot, is that the the time trials particularly the final time trials you're not seeing the time trials from the 90s where you know if you were in the yellow jersey it just seemed like miraculously like the yellow jersey always seemed to pull out you know at least the top five didn't matter what their time trial background was in the past right. you know pontani yeah, again right. but but the yellow jersey seemed to pull out an amazing time trial. we don't we don't see that anymore uh, there were only a handful of guys that were there, and he, even he, you go back to Contador, you know, early on. I was his just thinking career, about him beating, um, oh, what was his name? The
2: uh, oh, I can't, why can't I think of his name now? But on a largely flat time trial on the tour, it was, I think it was in like a, in Switzerland, cancellara, Like Contador beat him, you
0: know, on the yeah. Oh uh, right, But yeah. latter part of Contador's career, you didn't see that. No. You know, and and we say, well, you know, it was his age, or it was that ban, or or something, but but he wasn't there. And I I I just remember seeing a lot of GC guys that that were in the top five, you know, top ten, and they were finishing like like twentieth in the time trial, and you didn't see that. So so I mean, that's definitely an indication that the sport is cleaner uh it, you know, we're not going to go into if it's clean, but uh, but but that's a big data point. You know, you just don't see those those final time trials. So going back to, you know, what we were talking about, I think that you trying to make a prediction based on time trialing performance. I mean, even looking at Cancellara, it, he he never seemed to you know pull out the big win in a Grand Tour at the end of the Grand Tour.
1: Right, and, right.
0: So, so it's uh, it, it'll be interesting. I think the last week is really gonna determine the podium. Uh, you know, right now I think it, it, unless Thomas or Froome dramatically implode, I just I, I don't see a big, a big shift. Maybe Dumoulin moves up to second. You know, if he has a a great last week. But yeah, I think I agree. Those guys are 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 are, are definitely looking like the favorites at this point.
2: Or are yeah. they going to the Mass Central now on the way to the Pyrenees? I'm
0: not I'm not sure, uh, not sure either, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I just get up every day and I watch the raid. <laughs> I forget to look ahead at the stage. I, I mean, I'm not doing stage analysis.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I heard there's three lumpy stages. So, you know, maybe, maybe someone tries to launch like a. a a Jalabert type uh, raid or something, man, through the eat Central.
0: Yeah, I mean it's possible, and and I think what we saw today with the with the sprinters in particular. I mean we we lost pretty much the entire sprint wow, yeah,
2: race. Yeah, and they're dropping um, like flies.
0: Yeah, and I I don't think I've ever I I don't ever remember um, as long as I've been watching the tour since since probably what eighty five eighty six. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've remember a tour where we lost that many sprinters in the span of what like two days. Um, right, right. It's basically Sagan. There, there's, you know, you know, I think Kristoff is is still there, but he he's proven he hasn't been able to challenge. Uh, I, I mean, flat sprint stages. I think Sagan. I don't think he going to get a record like, number of points days. or something. Um,
1: a couple, you got Ar- Arnold, Ma- Arnold still in there, and Sonny uh, Col- I Can't pronounce his name, Colibreri. Yeah. They could perhaps, you know, challenge the guy not for the green jersey, but they could yeah. challenge him for for you know the stage wins. I think there's two two f- completely uh flat stages left so they could perhaps challenge him
2: what about gaviria did he drop out, today? He dropped yep. out. yeah
1: Gaviria's yeah gaviria rifle and uh, uh, i
2: didn't see i missed that
0: right
1: and granowick and they all dropped out today and cavendish and kittle yesterday so that's that's huge yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's not going to be a, a you know a uh sprinter left and and not. Oh, no. i guess that <laughs> that brings up another you know another question it, it, um a lot of people complained about the cobblestones in this race, and and how the cobblestones shouldn't be in there. And 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 uh, I I th- I think it was uh, uh, what uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the DS for uh, Quickstep, the um, favor, uh, Le favor. Yeah, the favor. <laughs> uh, you know, he was talking about well, yeah, you know, if you ask the. You know if you ask the sprinters uh about the mountains they might say that those shouldn't be in there <laughs> right um but but i think that goes to the you know to the point it's like well we're we're trying to make the tour more dynamic and and yet we have these the, these short stages where the time cut is a little bit tighter and and so it's it, it's much easier to get eliminated but at the, same time the the welta has been been doing this kind of a model for 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 years, so i, I mean you got you got to kind of wonder, but if you 're talking about a green jersey i don 't have a problem with the sprinters you know dropping out because again, the green jersey is really supposed to be about the most consistent finisher, not necessarily the best sprinter, uh, but to see a race where you lose all of your sprinters or or, or the you know whatever like eighty percent of them. Uh, pretty early on i i mean we're just halfway um you know maybe may, maybe the tour comes back next year and they add some more flat stages early on who you, I mean, who knows yeah
2: well there was a lot of sprints in the beginning really that was a um possibility for sprints but uh, i like the cobblestone stage it was one of the complaints about it though was that the uh Caravan, the team car caravan, maybe helped a lot of uh, guys uh, get back in after, you know, they were dropped or had a mechanical or whatever the case may be, you know. Right. I mean, think of like Bardet, right, he, you know, and Landa, like those guys are off the back for quite a while, and then they've managed to pull back within seven seconds. And, you know, everybody, you know, on those cobbles, everybody's going pretty much as hard as they can go, right, so – yeah, it's
1: hard. It's hard to know for sure without seeing. You know, the cameras weren't on on them the whole time, so it's tough to say what happened there. Also, I mean, uh, Movistar did send like their whole team back, other than Valverde and Quintana, to pull Landa back. So it was a pretty concerted and determined chase by by Movistar to to bring it back. Whereas in the front, they were going fast, but they weren't, you know, doing a team time trial. Whereas in the back, they were doing a team time trial. So that you know, it's hard. I don't know for sure if the, how, you know how much the cars played a role, but I think the there was a lot of talk. You know, everybody was 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 complaining about the cobbles before. Like Matt White, there was some interviews with him. He was completely against it. But at the end of the day, there were other than Richie Port, there it was an exciting stage, but there weren't really any big separations. The GC came, you know, all together. Everyone. Yeah, there was together. like
2: a group of 29 of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So for all the talk and the rubbing of hands and the screaming, you know, really didn't, didn't do anything. I mean, it was exciting. It was great, but nobody lost any time. It wasn't like Nibali got like four minutes on Froome or anything like that.
2: But I was in 2012. It was a couple minutes and it was a rainy yeah. day. You
1: know? Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And in all, and in all fairness, uh, you know, as far as port pork goes, I mean, what did he crash in the first 10 K
1: yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it it wasn't not- even
0: on the cobblestones, and and uh, yeah, you know, I I kind of like Port as a rider, but you know, he's not going to win the tour. I mean, he's never going to win the tour. I mean, he's like what, what, like thirty three now, anyways. But the, the the guy can't stay upright, he, you know. And it's it's uh, so so to again with all that hand wringing about the cobblestones, it, it turns out that one of the key favorites in the race did, didn't even crash on the cobbles can't believe right. the cobbles and i don't think froom uh you know, you know you know when he dropped out um i don't think froom uh, had, had crashed in the cobbles either i think he crashed the day before and he had a broken wrist and then he had to ride the cobble stage and he dropped out so you know, door crashed in the mountains
1: yeah 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 i think uh, froom actually cra- it was like richie port he crashed the day of the cobblestones but it was on the you know the regular road section before hitting the cobbles right that he he broke his wrist or, or fractured his wrist yeah. <laughs> who who who's the pick for the tour for the, next week next saturday or whatever it is next sunday i
0: you know what i'm still going to go with Froome. i yeah. i have you know i have a hunch um and and you, you know it's hard to say that you look at at at, at Garen thomas and how strong he's been but you know what Simon Yates looked unbeatable at the Giro, and yep, he yep. came apart. So yeah, yeah, Thomas is older and wiser, and and all that other stuff. He
2: he doesn't have a history of making three weeks strong, you know. So right, exactly.
0: He, yeah, yeah. He he usually has that that one really bad day. So I'm still going. You know, I'm still going for him. I I think he's he's uh, overall he's the best suited. You know and and like we said unless something dramatic happens you got Dumoulin you, you know as the major contender I just don't see the other guys um be, being able to close that kind of a gap I mean especially when you got one two I mean you're you're okay you get rid of one guy you still got the other guy so so what are you yeah. going to do then so
2: yeah I, right. I think right. it would take a prodigious uh like effort, like one of those, you know, kind of like Contador-like raid or even the Froome raid in the yeah. Jira, right, where like somehow. But that being said, then you also look at like the collective strength of Team Sky, um, you know, but they didn't last as long today, I got to say, right? So like, you look at yesterday – When Kiotowski pulled, that was a pretty long pull that he did, right? And that was fast. Today, like, it was not quite as long. So I don't know. But none of the other teams seem to have, like, enough guys to, like, movie stars try. But, like, they're just, like, they're falling out the uh, the wayside. So how about who do you think is going to win the green jersey? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well that's that's sad. <laughs> If you if you mess up that pick, I don't know. I mean, that's that's yeah. over. <laughs> I i, I mean, had to
2: go with
0: Sagan, man. Hey, he could uh he could ride off the side of the mountain.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I guess well, so.
2: Right?
0: He, could, <laughs> he, he, he could get hurt, but But uh but, uh, uh, he uh should uh, he's have in the polka dot jersey now. Should, man. That's all I'm saying.
1: I is, think Al-Felipe is still leading, <laughs> I'm not sure, but uh Rogel got a whole boatload of points of a uh, whole boatload of points today, so I think Bargill is certainly targeting it
0: uh well that's the only thing he can target
1: <laughs> well that well that in stages yeah um,
0: he doesn't look as
2: strong this year last no. year he had uh he was definitely you know on a different level
1: yeah, i agree yeah yeah
2: yeah I don't know i it would be hard to think of uh, Alaphilippe Philippe uh prevailing, and the only reason I say that is um. He hasn't shown yet. Um, I don't know, he's had three hard days in the apps, so we'll see what happens in the Pyrenees. But sometimes it has to be that, that that long that long raid out, you know, where you're picking up points on four or five calls in a row, you know, like he's the last couple of days it's like, all right, yeah, I got you know, I prevailed on a first category or the uh, today like the H C climb or whatever and then he dropped back. It's I don't know I don't I don't know if he's gonna be able to um to to keep that to keep that lead, but he definitely yeah he definitely ha- he's definitely explosive though, I'll tell you at the top of the uh he's there at the top and you're gonna try to outsprint him, that's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. Right, right.
0: Yeah, right right now, uh 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 Bar-Gheel trails by fourteen points. Mm-hmm.
2: So he's where's Paul's
0: uh he's, he's sixty three at third. Yeah. 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 I don't know, big
2: you know, Bar-Gheel, he looks like you know, he he might he might go on another raid again. It's like there's no one else with, like Quickstep, right? So uh, with Barguil's team, he's got a teammate or two that go with him, and uh, you know they're they're helping out. Like both the last two days for sure, you know.
1: Right, exactly. So. And, and let's face it, their whole goal of the tour was that jersey. Where Quickstep didn't build their tour around the Polka Dot Jersey, whereas that small team, Fortunato, Sam 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 Sick, if I can pronounce it right. Their whole tour is built around the polka dot jersey, so I'm going to go with uh, Bragiel again.
2: Man, I, I I would I would go with that Sagam for the uh, his seventh uh, green jersey.
1: No, it's a six, I think. Six, I know,
2: six. I know. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm retroactively giving yes. him a oh, last for last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
1: No, I see. I agree with that actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes, thanks. Yeah, that was a travesty, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's up 210 points yeah it's <laughs> just it's like uh, boy um
2: so you carveria can come back next year and try to uh compete or Sagan just i mean he's only I 28 see, so yeah i don't
0: i don't see i don't see anybody who's going to compete for the green jersey uh and in, in the next couple of years because Sagan is uh he he's fast enough um yeah and he's a complete looks, rider he just yeah he, 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 he could, had he, the fastest he, sprint last year. I read this
2: a statistic. So the 22nd average power output was in the Tour of Switzerland. He averaged over 1,400 watts with a peak power output of 1,700 watts. Wow,
1: wow. That
2: yeah. was like the, uh, the of the data they had collected, not just of uh, Sagan but like of all the sprinters. Like that was – so a lot of people are like, oh, he's not a pure sprinter. and Maybe not so because in part like uh, he can climb pretty decently. Um, one of the things I think about Cigar, though, is like, all right, he's only 28. So there's a lot of guys that, like, you know, maybe they're like, you look at Van Armament, right? And Felipe uh, Jalabert, uh, not Jalabert, but Jalabert. Um, uh, yeah. Right. Um, you know, those guys were like in their early 30s where they were like, had like uh, 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 their most success as classic riders almost. Even yeah. like um, Boonin, right? So. Um, I don't know, like Sagan, maybe, you know, whatever that man strength, you know, like <laughs> you get older, mature guy yeah, strength yeah. In there. So he could be kind of scary down the road.
1: Oh yeah. I and mean, the thing with Sagan is, you know, he's he, talking about Sagan versus Gaviria, for example. Uh, you know, Sagan won't win the field sprints really when all the sprinters are there. He might win the field sprint now, you know, with, when they're, with them gone, but he still gets second and third in those, in those sprints. So he still, he collects points. Yeah. And the right. other, and then on the mountain days, he still, you know, goes out and grabs some points. So I, there's, there's just no right. way that that those sprinters can can beat him. I yeah, mean, yeah,
2: it's an uphill sprint, you know, like even like any kind of Flander kind of stage or whatever. Yeah, with Sean, that's it. Scott can right. win that.
1: <laughs> well, he did. He did win that. That. That day last week, that had that yeah. uphill sprint. Yeah, exactly. And
2: he was riding really well in the Roubaix stage, man. So that was uh, – he had a great quote. Like, what happened? Oh, the other three guys dropped us.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, yeah,
2: yeah. That, was, that was cool. But like he said, hey, I was at the back and, you know, it's it's too – you know, in the cobbles. Like, you just can't really move up. By the time he moved up, it was like, yeah, they were gone and I missed it.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah.
2: All right. Leave it to the tour, (laughs) man.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, once again, I want to thank my co-host, Hannah Getz, for for kind of filling in that chair. And thank our guest today, Dr. Tom Swenson, for coming on and discussing the show, as well as all of the listeners, subscribers out there. Really appreciate it again, uh, show is going to be a little bit of a work in progress as we move forward, just because we launched I think a little bit uh, sooner than than I anticipated, but I wanted to get out there I wanted to 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 really get going with this uh, as always folks, if you have questions, you can email us new email at go one more mile at gmail that 's go one more mile at gmail. Com. You can also head on over to the website, new website, although the actual website looks about the same, uh, www.go1mm.com. Again, that's G-O, the number one. Mm.com. That'll be the new website. Head on over there. Donate. We would love to get the donations. It would really help us out. Uh, the, the cost of the podcast is definitely going to go up. Production costs, development costs, got to get some new software. So I'd appreciate any donations. You can head on over there. Hit the donate button. In the next few months, we're going to be working on a new website, and we're going to release that as well. Uh, And then finally, I want to invite you, thanks to one of my longtime sponsors, Rudy Project, head on over to www.e-rudy.com. There you can check out all the great deals during the Tour de France. But also, another great deal, if you write us a review on iTunes, screenshot it and email me. Okay? We want to get... Uh, iTunes reviews, very important to move up the rankings, but uh, write us a review on iTunes, screenshot it, email us at go one more mile at gmail.com, and what you'll do is be entered to win a Rudy Project voucher. This voucher is worth approximately $200. I say approximate because they've got some awesome glasses to choose from. They've got some helmets, they've got some team kit, they've got bags. But basically, you win the voucher, you're gonna get to pick one of these. And if you order anything else, you'll get a huge 60% discount on it. So you'll want to enter to win for sure. And I wanna let everybody know that we will have another show, probably coming out next week. I'm gonna be heading out on vacation so my internet's gonna be a little spotty. But we're gonna try to do some more tour coverage and we have an interview with Dr. Kevin Sprouse. Now, if you've been following Velo News or you've been following Cycling News, you know that, that, that Lawson Craddock from Team EF uh, broke his shoulder blade. Well, Dr. Krause works with the team and through, uh, really, really coincidence, a good friend of mine and former PT uh, really put me in contact with him. And Dr. Krause is going to come on and talk to us about really uh, rider management during the Tour de France, so you want to check that out and finally i want to give a huge shout out to angelo gianni from formerly treadmill track star I, I i think he's officially retired uh but i want to thank angelo for offering up the music for this show we're going to be featuring a lot of the tracks that treadmill track star has done over the years and we're going to find the one that we love best but Uh, If you're interested in the music of this show, head on over to Spotify and you can find Treadmill, Trackstar, just like it sounds. The song featured on today's show is called Reunion. And just remember, folks, always just go one more mile. Later.